Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hey, Rev. My friend, my buddy, my burger-loving pal, Brad Garoon, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I am just getting over an illness, and I'm glad it's over, so I feel great, actually. What kind of illness did you have? It was a thing in my throat and my ear, and uh, I'm at that, that, that great part of being ill where you're, you're not really sick anymore, but you're still taking the meds, so you feel extra great. I've, I'm just now discovering this, and it's really wonderful. Do, do you have a, a, a remedy that you use for when you're sick? Yeah, medicine. Oh, I don't. I, I, use, I use medicine. I eat pizza with extra garlic and then have OJ with bourbon. Okay, that's fine for you. I drink water to wash down my medicine. I don't like what medicine are you taking? It's you know what it's that's a very private question and I don't feel like answering it. <laughs> your your medicine is not a burger. I wrote a blog about this once. It's not, although I did eat one hamburger during my illness. Oh yeah, was it good? It was good. It was at Park Avenue Tavern. They're doing uh, a cool thing. They do have a burger on the regular menu, but they are also on Fridays. They were inspired by National Hamburger Month, one of the one of the fake burger holidays that we love to celebrate. Um, big fan. Yeah, they uh, started doing Burger Fridays where they do a very special, interesting burger every week. And I had their Surf and Turf burger, uh, which I'm normally not a fan of. But they did it with a – it was a six-ounce beef patty and a four-ounce uh, crab patty um, and, and other things as well. I, I, I can't remember. You can check out BurgerWeekly.com to find out more. But it was it was delicious. You lose me. You lose me on the crab patty. You have me on everything else. I know you're a turf, no surf kind of guy. So why don't you tell me about a good burger you've had lately? Uh, so I've not been out lately. My wife has been really, really ill, and I've been trying to take care of her. Uh, but last night, I actually cooked for some friends at a Super Bowl party, and we made loose meat sandwiches. Do you know what those are? Yeah, I, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> but for those that don't, that grew up watching Roseanne. Uh, on the Roseanne show, they had a restaurant they owned called the Lanford Lunch Block, Lunchbox. And the, the sandwich they, they served there was a loose meat sandwich. And basically, it's like a hamburger without a patty. They take the meat and they cook it in a big pot with like some chicken stock and spices and garlic. And they just serve it in the bun. And it's uh, some people call it a sloppy joe without the, the sauce. I hate sloppy joes. So I would never, ever make that distinction. Um, but it's basically a loose meat hamburger, and they are delicious. And we ate – I made five pounds of them. Well, it's a loose meat sandwich, not a loose meat hamburger. What Do you really care what the difference is? I do. You know that semantics are important to me. <laughs> well, if, if you're from Iowa, then you would call it the tavern sandwich. I'm fine with that. Iowans could do whatever they want because they gave my man I'm – I'm I was about to get really political, but I'm going to keep my politics to myself. <laughs> Um, would you eat a Trump themed burger? Yeah. Only if I could be in the restaurant while he's there so that I can say to him what the woman who was in the restaurant with him said to him, which was, if you don't know, you should just Google it. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's segue over to our interview today with Sherry Bear from Bear PR. Sherry Bear is the founder of Bear PR, New York City-based public relations consulting and marketing agency that specializes in culinary and hospitality. Uh, their clients include Serafina Restaurant Group, Taste of Tribeca, and the Roots Conference hosted by Chef's Garden. Sherry is also the host of her very own radio show called All in the Industry, which can be found on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, on the show, she takes a look behind the scenes of culinary industry through a weekly series of interviews with professionals in the business. Sounds like another show I know. Sherry, from a branding perspective... 
What's the last thing a restaurant owner should do before opening the doors to let people in for their grand opening? Well, hello. The last thing? You mean like the final thing they should get done after they've done everything else? Like before the doors open and they let people in, what's the last thing they should do? They should take a deep breath. How about that? Um, the last thing they should do? I mean, I think once once you're at that point, you're just, you just got to roll with it. And I think having worked in restaurants, knowing like problems may come up, um, you're kind of as a manager or a restaurateur, in a sense, I used to compare it to being a firefighter. Like there will be things that will come, but your job is to, to be calm and... Um, and you know, know that that things will get fixed. Um, I think, as a as a kind of silly thing that comes to mind, as a pet peeve I have with restaurants, is that that putting those hooks under the bar and on the door of the bathroom that would might be a final last touch a restaurateur might want to do. Um, it's a it's something I think women look for in the bathroom to have a place to put their purse. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but that's what comes to mind. I think those hooks are essential, and it's not just for women. Where am I going to put my coat? The bathroom yeah. is dirty. Well, hopefully not an opening day, though. Let's back up a little bit, Sherry. What made you want to start a radio show? The radio show came from... I started I started doing PR in 2003, and uh, so in 2013, about my 10-year mark, I was kind of looking at what else or, you know, where I was going or maybe if there was other things I wanted to do, and I kept coming back to the idea that over the years I've met so many people who've worked behind the scenes with restaurants uh, providing services that I don't provide or similar but we basically had the same clientele these people I kept meeting from networking going to events but they provided different services so the idea for the show came from all these fabulous people that I knew, I figured, well, why don't I do a show about them and, and get some PR for these behind-the-scenes talents that are really essential to restaurants and businesses that a lot of these people don't necessarily always get press um, and the attention that I think they deserve. So that's where the idea came from, and I, I pitched it without having any radio experience. I just... Um, kind of went into Heritage Radio, um, which I knew about and, and loved the the network and knew about some of their food-based programming and and came in with the idea. And um, now I've done 94 episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> it took off. Awesome. What's been, who have been some of your favorite guests so far? Oh, I've, I've had so many, so many awesome people. I mean, I, I had on Steve Cuzo, the restaurant reviewer for the New York Post, he was definitely one of my favorites just because I read his column for so many years and um, I think he, he he gave a great interview. It was very candid. Um, I mean, I've had on Ben Leventhal from Resi. I've had on Rita Jamey from La Caravelle, uh, Michelle Nishan from Wholesome Wave, Lee Schrager who runs South Beach Food and Wine Festival, I mean, and New York City Wine Food and Festival. So sometimes I'm just kind of... Uh, in awe that these people are coming on my show and talking to me, and um, I just feel very grateful. Well, that, that's how we feel about you being on our show, so thank you. Ah, uh, I'm blushing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you've talked to tons of different professionals and chefs on the show, so you know, you've probably heard like a lot of advice from them uh, you know, from really outstanding people. Are there any common themes or best practices that you've heard from like the most successful people? Um, but in their business, I think... I think do what you love is a consistent 
uh, topic and a lot of people have fallen into what they're doing now or have left careers and, and gone in a different direction and I think doing what you love and being passionate about it is is the key to being happy and also to being successful. So it's certainly difficult for a restaurant to keep momentum going especially year after year no matter how successful they were initially but when do you think is the right time for a restaurant to bring on someone in PR? Before you open. <laughs> um, I, I have a lot of restaurants reach out to me after they've they've launched and they're four or five months open and they're now ready to do some PR um, and I've taken some of those accounts and and it, it you know I think at any time you want to do PR and get some support it's it's great I think everyone could could use it but I always advise people to do PR uh, pre-launch as you know something to budget in when you're fi figuring everything out before you're opening like have a line in there for PR and marketing because the media loves to cover a brand new place and here especially in New York you're new for about five days <laughs> and then they're on to the next but there's just a lot of opportunity to to get media exposure and attention when you, when you are new and Unfortunately, at four or five months old or four or five years old, you're not new, even though to to the owner you think you're new. But to the media span, standpoint, um, you're you're you know they're looking at the things that are opening that week to cover. So there's not as many opportunities in that case. So if you're working with like a, a brand new bar, a brand new restaurant. And there's not a famous chef. There's not a history of, you know, the owners having other successful business. Like there's sort of no leg to stand on. They're brand new. What would you advise to that owner or, you know, even the chef, how to stand out from a PR perspective? Well, I think you have to be authentic to your brand. And I'm not someone who comes in and says you have to do a bunch of gimmicks or make the $2,000, you know, truffle burger with, gold leaves on it to get attention. I think you just have to do, represent yourself as authentically as you can and know, you know, believe in it, but just be true to what you're doing. And I think, you know, I think the media does, you know, a lot of times they jump on the bandwagon and are covering the same chefs, but I think they appreciate, you know, an authentic person and story and good quality food. I mean, you definitely, you have to deliver. I mean, you have to have the food, the service, the ambiance. You can't, you know, you, you can't not deliver if you, if because the media will come in and they'll be critical. But um, I think that's just, like, you don't need to be gimmicky. I think you just have to be true to who you are. So what kind of clients does Bayer PR take on typically? I tend to take on all those clients <laughs> that are like the under the, the underdog in a sense, or a little lesser known um, chefs, some smaller businesses, chef owners. Um, I think because I'm a small company, that's kind of why that's turned out that way. Um, I've had some bigger accounts, let's like um, X Key, which is a, a fast casual place from from Belgium that is over 75 locations in Europe and then when they launched in New York they were one of my accounts and I've worked over the years with Serafina restaurant group so those are bigger brands but a lot of times I'm I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a chef owner and um, just trying to get their story out there I just want to work with good people who I believe in um, 
you know, because I can't represent anything that that I don't think myself is is awesome. I just I, I I'm not I'm not going to be a salesman or or pitch something for something that I don't think is great. So. I mean, I think I think that's a great tip for anyone, especially who's trying to get into PR. Rev and I uh, talk about this a lot. How we get we get pitched things uh, quite a bit that feel impersonal or feel unconnected from any story. So I think what you're talking about really speaks to that. But what? So these these small clients, you've you've got your story, you've pitched it. The press has come, the press is gone. What can they do to stay relevant after that honeymoon phase is over? Well, I think you want to get media to come into your place or just customers. So doing special dinners or inviting inviting media to come in and um, coming up. Maybe you know. You, I think as a publicist, we do look at holidays. I mean you can't go too overboard with them like Valentine's Day is coming up and there's everyone's pitching Valentine's Day dinners and cocktails but at the same time it, you don't want to go too far with it but at the same time it's a holiday and you know the media is going to be writing about it so I think you can look at the calendar and plan ahead and what does fit with your brand like not all restaurants would have something for let's say the Super Bowl but you could have um, a promotion going on that would be uh, something that you could let the media know about that they might care and write about to let consumers know so they'd come into your restaurant. So holidays are definitely uh, something that restaurateurs can use as, as, uh, as uh, you know, a guideline. Um, I think social media has become really important and between Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I, I would say all of them, restaurants and and businesses should be on. I think Instagram is the one that's really taken off in the food industry because people are eating with their eyes. Uh, but you can you can be active, you can build your community. Um, just make sure you're posting great photos and not putting up things that don't look appetizing because that would like defeat the purpose. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I think I think marketing or doing getting involved in organizations and events there's a lot of amazing charities that are based in New York like City Harvest and Taste of a Nation and they they do these big culinary events where you can participate you donate your food and time uh, but basically you get your name out there and you put your food in front of people that might not have heard of you or come to your restaurant so then you're doing you're supporting a good cause and you're also promoting your brand at the same time and it's also fun and social it gets you out of the restaurant and you meet lots of people so I always I think you have to be specific target which events you want to do because sometimes the, nowadays there's lots of events and you you can't do them all but finding specific events of charities that you believe in the cause um, is a good way to get your food and your name out there and meet new people you just shared some great insight about what to do. But you mentioned these media dinners, uh, influencer dinners. What is the right way or what is an effective way of actually carrying one of these dinners out? Well, I think you should be thoughtful as to what the menu is going to be and who you want to invite. And that's where I come in uh, knowing lots of people who, who write about food or uh, the Instagrammers who have these big followings, but you, knowing knowing what people write about, I think as a publicist, you don't just 
want to send out a, a press release to everyone or invite every writer to your restaurant, you really should think about what they cover, what they might be interested in, and work with the restaurant to plan a menu that, that makes sense. I mean, I think when I've done dinners, you, you also need to know that press isn't guaranteed and you're not you're not going to invite someone in and the next day there's going to be a huge feature story on you. Um, but you're going to invite someone in who has the potential to come up with a, a story that, that would be fitting for the restaurant, for their audience, and you might get some social media exposure out of it. But it's, it's getting awareness out there as to why you're doing it. So I think you know, planning planning a, a dinner, like a wine pairing dinner of, of, it could be a theme, let's say, for the spring, you know, of your new spring dishes, or uh, or it could even be something, sometimes I've worked with chefs who do beer pairing dinners. I think a lot of times uh, you just want to do something a little different but still completely uh, representative of your food and, and of the brand. Do you think that uh, chefs and restaurants should charge influencers or you know people from the media to come eat at these events? No, I, I think I think the relationship or how it it's worked over the years is restaurants will invite media and now social media influencers to come in to have a meal again without the expectations or the guarantee they're going to write about you, but. Um, it's kind of the perk of their job that they come in, they can try the food and and have the experience and that's that's just been the way it's it's been over the years. I think I don't think I find media to abuse privileges of going into restaurants and over ordering or ordering you know if we, I set up dinner sometimes for for the media if they come in, you know there it's not expected that. There, or it's pretty much the media is is very good at not ordering the most expensive bottle of wine and taking advantage of it. Um, I think it's just kind of a, a nice relationship where they're they have so many options of places they could go or cover, and you want to get them into your restaurant, so you invite them in and show them a good time and and see, and it could turn into a great story and a great relationship. So I think that's some good advice. I want to I want to pick your brain about the other side of it. Should the people that are coming in who are, you know, getting this meal and potentially putting it on their Instagram or covering it in an article, should they offer to pay and or leave a tip? I think live I think leaving a tip is is a definite. I think it's usually clarified before if I set up a dinner for someone whether it's going to be a full comp or not. I, I think I, over the media, a lot of times, the people will ask me directly because they don't want to be put in an uncomfortable situation, and I don't want them to either. So going in, the restaurant knows if they're coming in as a guest or not, and so they're not expected to pay. But I think I would hope they would leave a tip because the people working the front of the house, and you know they're working hard, and they're not they're still doing their job and it's not, you know, I, I mean, the, the restaurant could and may still take care of them, but I think as a, if I, I, if I was a guest in a restaurant paying or not, I would leave gratuity because I, 
except nowadays now now all these restaurants are changing to no gratuity so we'll see we'll see what happens um, oh yeah that'll at, be that'll be pretty interesting yeah i was at momofuku nishi the other night and the woman next to me who i know was sent out a few dishes cuz she's good friends with the chef and and they sent me out a piece of cake and we were talking about it because they have a line on the on the bill says no tipping and they don't want tips and but it's interesting if you're comped a dish or a meal are you still not supposed to tip so i don't know if that's going to change we might have to have a whole round table discussing that that <laughs> new phenomenon you know, yeah it's, it's funny interesting i've been involved in these discussions and and reading these articles and i have not had that thought until right now yeah, taking it from the other side, let's say there was a breakdown in communication somewhere along the line, and the restaurant or somewhere, someone in the restaurant, be it the host or or the servers, they didn't get the message that it was supposed to be a comps meal or a press meal. How do you handle repairing? I, I hate to even say repair because it's such a in the scheme of things in life, it's not that big of a deal. But in the scheme of press for the restaurant, how do you repair that miscommunication where media ended up having to pay for their meal? and might feel a little bit put out by it. You say you're sorry. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I've, it's happened actually over the years it has happened and I think it's it's communication and just yeah being apologetic and just trying to understand what happened and why there was a miscommunication but I think I mean I think it's it's yeah in the scheme of life it's not it's not like that big of a deal, but certainly apologizing to the media if it made them uncomfortable or reimbursing them or, you know, just trying to figure out what happened and where the miscommunication was so you can avoid it in the future. Because um, we make people make mistakes, you know, and uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable or to, I don't, I don't think, again, it comes back to like people as professionals who are going into restaurants as a guest to to check them out I think they're they're pretty understanding you know of that it's it these things can happen and also as the PR person sometimes these things are out of our control if we're not physically there and somehow the message was missed um, you know mistakes happen so I think I think that's some good insight and, and probably a good segue um, I know that you have some really great headspace about crisis management what are the best ways for a restaurant to prepare uh, for when something bad happens and how should they handle a problem when it happens? I think it depends on the problem but I think admitting when you've made a mistake and just apologizing and and being honest is the best policy and not trying to cover something up. Uh, I, I think if you try to cover up a mistake it will just snowball into a bigger one but I think um, you should own up to anything that happens and and move forward and yeah it's hard to it's hard to know exactly because it's could be many things could happen but I think just owning up to what it is and saying you're sorry and moving on so without naming any names or restaurants or chefs or anybody don't implicate anybody do you have any good stories of crisis management that would be fun to share with a lesson potentially I don't know. I can't think of one. All right, the second, I really haven't had that many crises. <laughs> I, guess that, I guess that means you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I'll... Well, that's okay. Do you feel that PR has a role to play in helping a restaurant manage and respond to ratings and reviews? I think it, I mean, if, if it's under, it depends. It's, 
I I leave that the reviews to the restaurant and the management. Um, I think I offer advice if if need be, but I don't really I don't really take that on uh, myself for clients. I think it's good to see what's being written about you and what's out there. Um, and it, yeah, it's sort of every every restaurant I work with is a little different with whether they they want to. Uh, I don't know. Some restaurateurs don't even want to read the Yelp reviews, and and some of them want to know everything and respond. And I think it's a kind of a personal thing more with the the restaurants and. Um, but I think it. I think it's you should know what's 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 being said and and if there is a a complaint that you know there is a nice way to respond and invite someone back in if they had a bad experience and say you're sorry. Um, so I think it's better to address any criticism, but I think it also depends on where people are voicing their opinions and where these comments are coming from. Definitely, I agree with that. So, so restaurant owners, like especially like the smaller, more local ones, are generally the like super busy people with a billion priorities. You know, they're all all of which are being managed by the level of urgency. You know, creating content for social media or a blog can be really, really challenging from a creative perspective when you're when you're living that life. You know, what type of photos or content do you think a restaurant should think about sharing other than just like food photos? I think. I think when, let's say, you're opening a restaurant, I think the whole beginning process, the construction, the design, the, you're picking out your plateware, I think all of that is really interesting and people would get behind the story of it, um, of, you know, you, your, your, your new lights coming in and just kind of capturing that. And I think that could lead into even when, once you're open, just pictures of your restaurant and the design. I think when you're you're out and doing events, um, I certainly think you could you know there's photo opportunities there. I don't think it just has to be pictures of food. Um, it could be pictures of of your staff. It could be pictures of you know a crowded dining room of of people enjoying your food. Um, I think I think being creative is is good. Um, I still think probably the food pictures are the ones that that uh, will get the most likes uh, because you're a restaurant that is trying to get people in to try your food. But food and beverage pictures, design, um, prof a picture of the chef in the kitchen, you know, things like that I think would work well. Let's say now it's a year or two after the restaurant has opened and business is starting to decrease. And you, you know, the restaurant definitely wants to find out why. So what are some key indicators that a business can examine to learn what's going wrong? Well, I think you got to look at the operation and what's, I mean, that's really more of a, a numbers thing of, well, when are you, when are people not coming in or what are they ordering or not ordering um, and try to figure out what's what's happening with, with the menu. I don't, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of a, Tough question for me to answer. Um, well, let's 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 wrap that. At, let's let's put that in a different perspective. So, it, you know, it's a year or two into the restaurant's life. The honeymoon period is over, and you know the business is decreasing. And so they're looking to you. They're saying, "Okay, Sherry, you know, what can we do? What have we not thought of? Like, what would breathe some life into this? Do you have any ideas for a restaurant like that? Some things they could think about?" Yeah. Well, I think anything new is newsworthy. So. Adding 
new dishes to the menu, switching up uh, anything with the decor, like a new, like adding new style. So I think I would look at the menu and and change things up, or maybe have a different format. Maybe if you're a la carte, you can introduce a three course tasting menu for a certain price, or add you know add a a pairing. Um, Something you know to try if you're not doing lunch or brunch. Perhaps you want to do that. Perhaps you can add in a happy hour or a late night happy hour. Um, I think it depends on when the business is slow. Unless they're just you're saying they're slow all the time. I think you can try any of these these things just to mix it up and and try to gain gain customers because if things are slow, I guess you've got nothing to lose, right? Uh, without a doubt. <laughs> So, Sherry, we like to wrap up all of our shows with our favorite topic, and that's hamburgers. Please tell us, what was your favorite burger from childhood? Okay, this is this is really embarrassing, and you're, I, I can't believe I'm going to admit to this, because I don't know if it was a favorite, but it's the most memorable. I'm very embarrassed. So, as a child, we would go to Burger King and get the Junior Whopper with cheese, and that was the special treat. Maybe if my parents were were going out on a Saturday night, and I'd go with my dad to the drive-through and pick this up with the large fries, and then we'd bring it home and have it with the babysitter when they went out, and that's my memory of of the most memorable burger as as a child. So Can you don't, believe? Yeah, don't don't be embarrassed about that answer. We we get we get those answers all the time. And if because you, I have. Oh, go ahead. If you were going to ask me that question, I grew up devouring McDonald's double cheeseburgers. So I ate a Whopper almost every day uh, <laughs> when I was in college. I just, I think maybe we need to start prefacing Rev this question with: We know that as a child you were not a culinary aficionado yet, <laughs> and it's okay if you went. And I don't. I just haven't. I have not had a Junior Whopper with cheese or, or fast food in in probably twenty years. Like I don't. I just don't go there, but yeah, I remember loving it. <laughs> to, to Brad's point, let's prove that you, you do have uh, some culinary interest in your life. Sherry, what was the last good burger that you ate? Well, um, I was just at this this weekend, I was at Harlem Shake. Um, I don't know if you've been up there, but they did, they had a, a it was a, it was a, a burger and wine uh, event, but and they had all these sliders with different, different, uh, different types of burgers. But the one that stood out was the hot mess slider, and that's based on their hot mess burger. And it's a classic with pickled hot cherry pepper, bacon relish, cheese, and smoky chipotle mayo. Dang, I want that right now. Yeah, I, I've been to Harlem Shake. I will say, even though there are a lot of restaurants serving burgers up there, it's actually one of the best in Harlem. Yeah, I was impressed. I've been there be once before. So, um, yeah, that's my latest. Uh, Sherry, if you could give one piece of advice to someone in the restaurant marketing business, what would it be? I think I, I said it earlier, but I think the do PR before you open is is my biggest piece of advice because – so many people don't, <laughs> and I think it's a I think it's a mistake. I think you should do it uh, pre-opening, and you'll get so much more value for your PR campaign, and it'll be worthwhile. Even if you don't think you're ready for it, um, it will be worth it. 
it's a great answer, and I'm sure a lot of people don't think about it, and I definitely would agree with you. So, so we are going to actually throw one more question at you today, Sherry, and it's very specific to you and you only. So you record your show once a week, which leads me to believe that you're at Roberta's once a week. So how often do you eat their pizza, and which one is your favorite? I don't eat that often. I mean, I I probably have eaten there like like seven or eight times in, in all these episodes. Um, and I don't really have a favorite. Um, I like trying. I'll get what my guest wants to <laughs> wants to have, and I don't know. I'm, but this is also me and my personality, where I like trying new things and new restaurants, and I don't repeat that much. So um, I don't know. What I should eat out there more often, though, because it is it is so amazing. For the, for the listening audience who may have not got the backstory to that somewhat jokey question, uh, Heritage Radio Network is located in and records at Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn, and it is wonderful. And it was really a personal question, Sherry, because if Brad and I had this show at, at, at Heritage Radio, I would eat Roberta's every single time I was there because I would not be able to control myself. Do you really think yeah, you would? Yeah, pizza I mean, is incredible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, it's, it is incredible. I'm, I'm lucky to go out there, but I think that also gets people excited to come out to my show because it's an excuse to get out to Roberta's and come on the radio show, but it's, it definitely um, adds to the coolness factor. Sure. Unfortunately for my health, I don't live that far from there, so <laughs> I'm just doomed all the time. Maybe we uh, need to take, take a cue from Sherry here, though, and move this show into a restaurant. I'm down, man. Um, <laughs> Sherry, why don't you tell people where they can learn more about you? Okay, well, I have two websites, BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can also find my shows at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Um, on social media, I'm at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. You guys should definitely check out Sherry's show if you like listening to uh, interviews with people who have really, really interesting culinary careers and interesting things to say and talk about really, really great food, you should check out Sherry's show. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.